Welcome to Soul Stirrings, a podcast where all things regarding faith, communication, and culture are considered. I'm your host, Paul Patton, and here's hoping for at least a couple of grins and maybe one strange amen. In my first podcast in this series focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, I emphasized agape love as a key virtue in the garden called our life. In my second podcast, I started talking about the second of the nine fruits of the Spirit, joy. And I suggested that a biblical understanding of joy was more than just putting on a happy face or keeping a smile plastered on your face or being somehow continuously bubbly, staying in a good mood. And in this podcast, I will continue with the virtue of joy and ask you to consider its paradoxical nature. I remember as a little boy in Children's Church in Northwest Detroit singing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Now, if asked as an 11-year-old boy what joy was, this joy that I evidently had down in my heart and I was singing about, I probably would have shrugged and muttered, I don't know. Of course, even grown men in their 60s, like me, don't always understand the depths of what they're singing in church either. In any case, if you ask what this joy was, that was down in my heart, my best guess, even as a young man, probably would have been something like, joy is a lot like happiness. Now, what do I mean when I say that joy, as understood in the Bible, is often experienced as a paradox? It means that joy described as the second fruit of the Spirit in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians and commanded throughout the epistles to be experienced, regardless of circumstance. This virtue of joy grown or cultivated in the garden called our life can blossom and grow even and perhaps especially in the midst of sorrow, grief, and shall I say it, even depression. And the paradox of joy can be experienced during a period of time that seems like a wilderness of uncharted territory as we're experiencing during this time of quarantine and medical uncertainty. Now, G.K. Chesterton, who's a British author and philosopher, critic, and lay theologian who lived from 1874 to 1936, and who used to debate George Bernard Shaw, by the way, about most important matters of life as friends, but significant opponents on these issues. Um, He was uh, also a contemporary of Clive Staples Lewis, but he's been referred to as the Prince of Paradox. And again, what is a paradox? It's when two seemingly opposing things are simultaneously true, right? Chesterton once explained that paradox is the truth standing on its head for attention. And joy is paradoxical. One can experience joy and sorrow, joy and uncertainty, joy and frustration, At the same time, the Apostle Paul in his second letter to the Corinthian Christians and in what might be the oldest resume in recorded history in chapter 6 verses 3 through 10 tells his reading audience that he is sorrowful but rejoicing always. Certainly a paradox indeed. (laughs) 
The paradox of joy, beyond merely putting on a happy face, is an attitude that is informed by an overarching confession, a truth that can be called to mind when needed to speak to and call out the depression, the chaos, and seeming absurdity of our existence. These are calls to mind that help contextualize all of this difficulty. I want you to consider the condition of Jeremiah, also called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah ministered in, in Israel for 40 years in the 7th and 6th century before the birth of Christ. He is traditionally considered the author of the Hebrew Testament book called Lamentations. And in verse 17 of the third chapter of his laments, the prophet cries out, I've been robbed of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. I've lost my splendor and all that I'd hoped for in the Lord. But I remember my affliction and wandering, the bitterness and gall. In other words, he's remembering what he wishes he could forget. Then Jeremiah says something that helps us to understand the substance of joy in the midst of his despair. He calls something to mind. He says, but this I will call to mind. It is an overarching truth that helps him to make sense of everything else in his life. And this is what he calls to mind. It is because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed. His mercies, they do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, many of us have sung that hymn as a chorus without any idea that the context for it was a very depressed prophet. Jeremiah didn't make that crowning confession with a smile on his face, probably. He wasn't giddy with enthusiasm. In fact, part of his prophetic brilliance is shown in his seemingly endless laments and grief. But in the midst of his pile of frustration and his fright, he called something to his mind that informed and gave meaning to everything he was experiencing. Similarly, if we are to, to be serious and effective in cultivating the fruit of joy, we must practice the habit of calling to mind the truths that inform and help us make sense of our troubles. So what are the overarching powerful truths? What are the overarching powerful truths that you, like Jeremiah, in the midst of his despair, are calling to mind. See, a biblical view of joy is more than putting on a happy face. It is by its very nature paradoxical. It is the truth standing on its head for attention. Now, in my next podcast, I'll continue the focus on joy as the fruit of the Spirit and how joy is informed by the necessity of hope. Thanks for joining me on Soul Stirrings.